Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the ultimate breakdown of how Ireland beat the Springboks at the Rugby World Cup 2023 at the Stade de France. I don't have a guest today, so it'll just be me. Let's see how I get along. Let's get started. Okay, so firstly, what a match. This was billed as the Clash of the Titans. It was the world's number one ranked team against the defending champions in a Rugby World Cup pool match in what was called the Pool of Death before the tournament began. And it certainly lived up to expectations. Something that I was pleasantly surprised by was the way that both sides were willing to attack from the very beginning. Both sides were having a full go and threw everything at the other. And we saw incredible passing. We saw incredible offloads. And we also saw unbelievable defense. If you ask me, it was the match of the tournament so far. Now, to be honest, the first 25 minutes, in my opinion, belonged to South Africa. The Springboks dominated those opening exchanges, and the Irish lineout was actually a shambles. In fact, at one stage, the Irish had gone six lineouts without actually winning one of those. The Springboks were disrupting the lineouts, and they were even stealing ball. It was really, really good stuff from the defending champions. However, and this is important, after 25 minutes, the score was only 3-0 to South Africa. Now, ordinarily, I don't panic in a situation like that. And the reason is, because of the way that the Springboks historically play rugby, you know that even if the score is 3-0, that does not mean that they are not dominating. That is in contrast to what we see from New Zealand. Usually, the All Blacks need to be 14, 21, 28 points ahead before you know that these guys are very much on top. But because of the way that the Springboks play, usually it can be 3-0 or 6-0, and you know that we are on top. Now, in my opinion, this is actually a high-risk strategy because one mistake and you could suddenly be 7-3 down or 7-6 behind. That said, the Springboks do have the best defence in the world, I still believe that, and it's not often the case that they go from 3-0 up to 7-3 down anyway. However, having said that, that is exactly what happened against the Irish at the Stade de France. A beautiful try, it must be said, by Mac Hansen, and just before that, we had actually seen Bundy Aki break through that Springbok defence with a wonderful run all the way into our 22. Aki was actually causing a lot of problems for the Springbok defence on the night. And it was a well-deserved try from Ireland, and they duly took the lead, courtesy of the try and the conversion from Johnny Sexton. So 7-3 to Ireland, and that was the situation at halftime. But it's also worth pointing out that while the Springboks were the better side in the opening 25 minutes, the next 10 to 15 minutes that we saw in the first half were dominated instead by Ireland. The world number one side gradually sorted out the line-out problems. They were outstanding, I thought, at the breakdown. A special mention from my uh, point of view to Josh van der Fleer. I thought he was excellent on the night. I know that Bundy Aki ultimately got the man of the match, and I don't really have a problem with that selection. But I did think, in my view anyway, that Josh van der Fleer was the best player on the park for the Irish. Exceptional work at the breakdown. Peter Omani also some really good carries from both of the Irish flankers. And in the end, I think that the breakdown is what would determine the match. That was what I was thinking before the match began, because I thought that South Africa had a superior scrum. I thought the box would be better at the lineouts, but I did think it would come down to the breakdown. The Irish prefer quick ball out of those situations. The Springboks would obviously try to slow that down because the Irish have a, I think, better attack than the Springboks do. But of course, the Springboks have a better defense and the box like to slow it down because that means that they can reset their line out, not their line out, their backline defense structures. 
and obviously the quicker the ball uh, is available to the Irish back line, the more disruptive that is for the Bok defence. So, to be honest, we didn't really see too much of that. The Bok defence was stretched a little bit here and there. That's what led to the try, and it is that width that ultimately created the try. They did stretch the Bok defence a little bit, and the more you stretch it, you know, look, let, let me say this as well. The Springbok defence, while it is the best in the world, and I still do believe that, I also think that no system is perfect. And I do think that just sometimes our defence does look a little bit too narrow. We saw that against Scotland, and maybe if the Scots were a little bit of a better side, they may have been able to score two tries against South Africa. They certainly had their opportunities. They were unable to take them, and the box were able to recover well, and that's a credit to the defensive system. But as I say, I do think that if you can stretch that box defence, because it is so narrow, you can create width potentially fairly easily, depending on who you are. In the case of Ireland, they were able to do that, and they were able to do so effectively, and it led to the try, the first try that the Springboks conceded at this World Cup. Interestingly enough, the Springboks did something similar, taking the ball wide. You saw there Cheslin Colby scoring a try in the 50th minute for the Springboks. Again, it came from with the box, taking the ball wide into the uh, channels, and Colby on the left wing was able to go and score a try for South Africa, which put us back in the lead. So the score was at that stage 8-7. And this may be the moment where we have to address the elephant in the room. Now, it's very easy to sit here and be a smart aleck. It's very easy to sit here and have the Monday morning quarterback syndrome, as the Americans called it. It's very easy to sit here and comment with uh, hindsight being the exact science that it is. But we need to talk about Marnie LeBock. Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen and I'll also put it in the description area. Please note that this is an affiliate link and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Programme, toll-free helpline 0800-006-008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. Now, Marnie is a great player. No doubt about it. He is creative. He has flair. Uh, he's passing ability. I, I, I do think that he has great vision as well. The problem is that Marnie is also the Springboks goal kicker of choice. Now, yes, we have backup in Fuff de Klerk and we have backup in Cheslin Colby and even Damien Willemser. But the reality is that across the park, the Springboks do not have a reliable goal kicker. You want somebody who can kick 85% all the time. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, a certain movie, you may know which one I'm talking about, where the guy commented that 75% of the time it works all the time. That's just a silly joke, I apologize for my Sunday morning humor. But in all honesty guys, the reality is you cannot go into a test match hoping that Marnie LeBoc is going to kick well. Yes, you can do that against Romania and Tonga because we are going to score many tries in those matches and it's not going to make too much of a difference. I say that with caution because we haven't yet played the Tongans and we don't yet know what is going to happen. But we can safely say that, I think, I hope. But you cannot go into the World Cup and hope 
that Marnie LeBoc is going to kick well. Now, if we go back to when the Springboks won the Rugby World Cup in 2007, when you had Butch James at flyhoff, that was fine because, remember, Butch wasn't a reliable goal kicker. But you had Percy Montgomery at 15, and Percy at that stage was a man who hardly ever missed a kick. He was Mr. Reliable. Now, if we had a Percy Montgomery at fullback, which we don't, and that's key, then it wouldn't matter that Marnie LeBoc is not a reliable goal kicker because Marnie could just get on with business. And it is true, I believe, that in four years' time, in 2027... Marnie LeBoc may very well go on and play a starring role in helping us to win that World Cup. And by then, we may have a reliable goal kicker at 15, at 12, wherever it may be on the park. The fact of the matter is that in 2023, that is not the case. Now, I did say this as well when we had the Malcolm Marks injury. I thought it would be wise to bring Joseph Dweber in because we have a problem at hooker. And we do not have depth there. And we saw that last night. Dion Ferry, with all due respect, he tried his best. And I don't think he did too badly. We did have that one five-meter attacking uh, line out. And it was a skew throw from Dion. And I know that you can easily turn around and accuse him of choking in that moment. But let's be honest, guys. It's entirely possible that Joseph Dweber would have thrown skew in that exact moment as well. We know that Joseph's... Let's just say it's not his best attribute throwing in accurately at the liners, but he does give you power in the scrums and in the malls, and Dion doesn't really give you that. That is a fact. Now, I did think it would have been better to fly Dweba over. Having said that, at the same time, I do think it's better that Pollard is actually in the squad. And I think, given Marnie's goal-kicking difficulties, it's almost without doubt... I would say it is inevitable that Pollard is going to come in and start at flyhoff. Uh, no doubt he's going to start at flyhoff against Tonga for me, but I also believe that he will start at 10 in the quarterfinal. Now, there's something else I want to say about the quarterfinal. I personally wanted us to beat Ireland last night and face New Zealand in the quarterfinals. A lot of people have been saying, yeah, there'll be a backlash after that 35-7 win at Twickenham. But let me stop you right there. In my opinion, this is the weakest New Zealand have been since 1995. They have dominated rugby for such a long period of time that there are a lot of stereotypes that we've just come to accept as being true. If you beat them this week, next week they're going to beat you by 20 points. Not so fast. This All Blacks team is not the All Blacks team that we have seen between 1995 and 2022, really. They don't have a front row. The front row is weak, if you ask me. Ethan de Groot is having a shocker of a Rugby World Cup tournament. The tight five, okay, the two locks are not bad. I mean, Brody Retallick, Sam Whitelock, these are still really, really good players. They are getting on a little bit in age, but we, I grant you that they are still very, very good. And then the loose trio, not bad. I mean, Adi Savia, and you think of a guy like Shannon Frizzell, these are good, good players. But as a pack, they cannot match the Springboks. And you saw that at Twickenham. And as long as the match is refereed properly, New Zealand stand no chance against South Africa currently. Because, as it turns out, it's not so easy when you have to stay on side. Now, I firmly believe that a Springboks All Blacks quarterfinal would have seen a South Africa victory. We would have moved on to the semi-final where we would have played somebody from the other side of the draw, the weaker part of the tournament, and then we'd be in the final 
Originally, my prediction was that we would play France in that final, but now we are going to have to play them in the quarterfinals. And there's a lot of people that have been saying that it would be good to play the French in the quarterfinals because they don't have Antoine Dupont. Let me just stop you there. It's not as if the French are a one-man team. If you ask me, playing them in the quarterfinals is the most dangerous fixture that we could have hoped for. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link, I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box, and there will be great benefits for members. France have a really, really good front row. In fact, Antonio is possibly the tight head of the tournament thus far. Woki is a great lock, and I know that they don't have Paul Willemser, but again, Woki, outstanding player. You look at their um, loose trio, I'm thinking of guys like Cor, I hope I pronounced that correctly, and you've got Aldrit. These are fantastic rugby players. Okay, you don't have Antoine Dupont at nine, but it's not like they don't have any other scrum halves. I know that they lost Emil Intermac, not Emil Intermac, uh, Intermac's son, uh, Roman, forgive me. I'm thinking 1995 here. They lost him on the eve of the tournament, but Jalibert has come in and he's been excellent. Tomar Ramos at fullback has turned out to be an excellent goal kicker for them. Damian Peno on the wing, what a flyer he is. And then you look at what's going on in the centers with Dante. Uh, this is a formidable team and yes they've suffered a few injuries they are still the host nation they are going to have 80,000 people screaming in their favor and it's going to be a cauldron of chaos if you ask me I don't think that the Springboks want to be playing in that quarterfinal and now well that's just how it's going to have to be and I think it's also important to point something else out here we're not actually in the quarterfinals yet. We're assuming that Ireland will beat Scotland, but there are a couple of permutations here. If Scotland beat Ireland, and I think they'd have to give them a hiding probably by 30 or 40 points. Uh, so, you know, then we could still get knocked out, but I don't think that that's going to happen, thankfully. Also, if South Africa, Ireland and Scotland, uh, you know, it would depend on, on, on the point situation. But if South Africa and Scotland finished level on points, we would go ahead uh, to the quarterfinals because uh, we beat them in the head-to-head. -head. So it's a remote possibility, but it is a possibility and we need to uh, watch out for that. Other than that, guys, I think that on the balance of play, I think that Ireland were just that little bit ahead of us. I do think that they were the better team at the breakdown. Uh, the scrums, I think South Africa were better. Uh, not massively better, but better. Lineouts obviously uh, were dominated by the Springboks. I was surprised that we didn't maul more. Uh, I don't know why that was. Something else I didn't quite understand is why we didn't compete at the lineouts much after those first 25 minutes. There were many moments uh, after that opening period and in the second half especially where we just didn't try to disrupt or compete in the lineouts. So I, I was a little bit surprised by that, but okay, it is what it is. Uh, on our side, I thought Sia Colisi uh, had a great match. I thought Faf de Klerk played very well. I thought Damien Willemse was possibly the Springboks man of the match. But look, it is what it is. Eben Etzebeth, by the way, another man who I thought had a very, very good game. In the end, 13-8. Had Marnie kicked these two kicks successfully, we'd be looking at a 13-13 draw. And I know that two of those misses from Marnie were not necessarily the easiest of kicks. But you know what? You substitute one of those with one of Faf de Klerk's kicks. And I know, again, we're looking at 50-meter uh, kicks here. But suppose one of them went over. And suppose one of Marnie's kicks went over. We may have won. And then there's the other side of the coin where you know, you're kicking for touch 
when perhaps you could be kicking for goal. And there was one or two moments where I just wondered, and I think Bongi Mbunambi was the captain at that stage. I can't remember if he had already gone off when, when we got a penalty and we, we kicked for touch. And I just wondered at that moment if kicking for touch and going for the try was a sign of a lack of confidence in our goal kickers, whether it be Marnie Fuff or anybody else for that matter. In the end, though, as I say, I think that on the balance of play, Ireland were the better team, only just slightly, and we congratulate them. Uh, They deserved the victory. 16 test wins in a row now for Ireland. Remember that the world record is 18. So that means that they could beat the All Blacks in a quarterfinal, and that would equal the record, and they'll almost certainly win their semi-final. So this Irish team is on course to set a new record for consecutive test wins. They are the Six Nations champions. They won the Grand Slam. A year and a half ago, they won a test series in New Zealand. Very few teams have done that over the years. And, well, they may very well be the world champions in waiting. Having said that, I would love nothing more than a rematch between these two teams at the Stade de France in about five weeks' time. Let me know what you think. What are your thoughts? How do you think that the match went? Leave a comment down below and let's have a discussion. And until next time, I look forward to your company.